We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. All right, we are going to finish all of chapter 10. Lillian read for us through verse 25, but we'll be covering in our message all the way through the end of the chapter. Next time we get together, not next week, remember, in two weeks, we will be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, the entire chapter, okay? So I want you to know that so that you have the opportunity to read it in its entirety in your own time. Make sure you're doing that, okay? Don't just take my word for things and my opinion on what happens in the rest of chapter 10, but spend some time reading this for yourselves too. I got a question for you guys. What is better? We're taking a poll here, all right? Trying to settle a debate. You, you don't even know what the options are yet. <laughs> I did do that last time. No, no, what's better? Is it tacos or burgers? All right, raise your hand for burgers. Raise your hand for tacos. Whoa, we are in the Southwest. We are in Phoenix. Tacos by a landslide. All right. We don't have either of those for our family meal potluck today. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, pizza, uh, cheese or pepperoni? What's better? Cheese, raise your hands. It's all kids. Oh, a few adults. I, I knew, Jessica, you'd have your hand for that. Pepperoni, raise your hands. All right, pepperoni wins out. You could just peel the pepperonis off, you guys. You'll be fine. Don't worry. Always order it with pepperoni. All right, what's better? What's better, Fruit Loops or Corn Flakes? I haven't tried those. <laughs> I haven't tried those. Did I just die? My mic? No? Okay. Fruit Loops, raise your hand. Corn Flakes, raise your hand. Wow, that's more cornflakes than I expected. I'm going to be honest with you right now. All right, this one might be a real dilemma you're going to have to face in just a few moments, all right? When you go to the table, cinnamon rolls or donuts? Raise your hand for donuts. Raise your hand for cinnamon rolls. That was pretty even. I think some of you raised your hand twice on that one. And you're like, hey, I know the trick. Like, I don't have to pick. It's, it's potluck style, it's buffet style, both are going on my plate, right? That's happening for me, I know, that's going to happen for you. So, I, either, we have lots of opinions on what's better when it comes to looking at different things, right? And what, the reason I want to talk about this is I'm kind of a little concerned that maybe as we've been going through this series of Hebrews and we're talking about how Jesus is better, that maybe... Some of us might be thinking of that in the lens of what we just did, of comparing two things and going, you know, both are good, but Jesus is a little better. And that might be your opinion, right? Like, hey, you chose tacos, you chose burgers. That's up for debate. It's tacos, by the way. Or you chose, you know, cinnamon rolls, you chose donuts. It depends on the donut, really. You guys didn't even question that, for real, right? It really does. And so are we talking a long john? Are we talking a maple bar? Are we talking Bavarian cream? Are we talking jelly filled? Are we talking, anyway, I, I could go on all day. So those are debatable. Which one's better, right? And some people will have very strong opinions on it, and that's okay too. But you could still concede, you know, I'll still eat the other thing. 
The other thing's still going to be good. It's just I like this one a little better. And I want to be very careful with what we're talking about here in Hebrews and very clear to say, that's not what we mean when we say Jesus is better. When we say, and when the author of Hebrews is saying over and over and over again that Jesus is the better temple. Jesus is the better priest. Jesus is the better sacrifice. Jesus gives a better blood. Jesus is the better on and on and on. What that statement is saying is not just better by matter of opinion, not just better like both are good, this is a little better, but this is the only way to experience goodness in life in its entirety. And so when we say Jesus is better, we mean Jesus is better in the way of like, is it better to drink water or to eat a Tide Pod? And some people choose that. Kids do not do that. You see the difference? One, you actually need to do to live. And the other one, though it seems colorful and appealing to some, will lead to death. And it's foolish. Like, is it better to eat some bread or chew on some glass? Did somebody just say eat glass? Like that was your answer? I want to eat glass. No, you don't, Jay. No, you don't. Listen, one, one is going to nourish you and fill you up, and one is going to hurt you severely, Right? And that's what's going on as we're looking through Hebrews. It's really setting up, hey, there's one way of doing life that you might think is good, but actually if you follow it to its conclusion, it can result in death and destruction. But there is another way, a better way, meaning the only way to experience life and goodness to its full. And that is in Jesus Now, for 10 long chapters, the author has been setting that up, right? And now finally, at the end of chapter 10, the author of Hebrews starts saying, now because of this, and in in some of your translations, it might say differently, but usually it's like, since this, or because of this, now this. And he says that over and over. Because we have such a great high priest, because the sacrifice has been made on our behalf, because Jesus has come and has done everything needed for you to experience life and goodness and beauty in the full. Now, would you live this way? And he he uses some pretty strong language to talk about how we should live. But what I want us to see here is it's not a list of do's and don'ts that makes sure that we are good with God. It's not a list of do's and don'ts that makes sure that we can have life and salvation. Remember, he spent 10 chapters saying, that's not how you do it. You don't have salvation by following the laws. You don't get to be with God by being good enough on your own. It will never work. That will eventually lead to death. What's better is that Jesus has come and done it all for you. But now, because of this, here's some ways to live that out in its fullness, right? So when we prepare a table, 
later and we have all this food that we could sit and eat together with. Especially for you kids here right now. I'm willing to bet most of you did not cook anything, right? You didn't go to the store and pay for anything out of your pocket, did you? It was done for you. Now, that's good. And you didn't have to do anything. You don't have to pay anything to go eat. You do have to come tell me what you learned today, but that's a different thing. You you don't have to do anything to earn it. I'll still let you eat, actually, if you can't think of anything, but you're going to try. So you don't have to do anything to earn that. It's done for you, but you know how you can experience that in the best way now? Just go to the table and get some food. Come and sit with your friends while you eat and enjoy it. Think about the good God who gave you this gift and laugh and play with your friends. That's how you live into this thing that's already been done for you. In the same way, the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, Jesus has already done everything for you to make you God's people. He's already done everything for you to make you a family now. Children of God, brothers and sisters with one another. He's already done everything for you to bring you close to God that you can actually have a relationship with him. Now, here's some ways to live that out. To live in its fullness. And so the part that Lillian read for us, it it lists a few things, right? Like it says, don't, the last thing she read was, don't forsake gathering together. Don't forget to meet together. And it's funny saying that with the people who are here meeting together, right? So tell your friends who aren't here today that the Bible says, (laughs) don't forget to meet together with the church on Sundays. You got to be here every Sunday, right? That's how you're a good Christian, right? No, 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 no. I'm kidding, guys. That's That's how it's been preached at times. Remember, that's not a way that you earn your connection with God. What he's saying is, you now have a community of people. Don't neglect that and try to do life on your own. When when things get hard, and sometimes we have a tendency, many of us, to kind of retreat and isolate and just deal with it on our own, he's saying, don't forget you have been given a community who is called to love one another and carry one another's burdens. When life gets really difficult and you're confused about what's the right path for you, don't forget you've been given a community who is called to encourage one another, equip one another, and build one another up in the good news of Jesus. It's the best way to live into that reality is to be around God's people. And so this list is not a checklist for you to be good. It's a way for you to experience what God has already done for you. And the part that I didn't have Lillian read at the end of chapter 10, the author of Hebrews says this. He starts quoting the book of Habakkuk, which is an Old Testament book. And in chapter two, it says something similar. Verse 38 here in Hebrews 10, it says, the righteous will live by faith. Now it gives a contrast to that too. It says, but if they draw back, I will have no pleasure in him. And then the author of Hebrews goes on to say outside of that quote, but listen, we are not those who draw back. We are not the ones who are destroyed. We are those who have faith and are saved. So I want to talk about what that means. What what the author's saying there and what the author of Habakkuk was saying is the righteous live by faith. What that statement is saying is exactly what I was just saying. 
that God has already done this for us. Now we will live as if that's true. And when you live as if that's true, you get to experience what God has done for you in the fullness. But if you draw back, meaning you turn away from what God has done for you and you go towards something else, you will find no life there. So the author of Habakkuk, the prophet in the Old Testament, what's going on in that story, centuries before the author of Hebrews wrote this, is God's people Israel, he's looking around, he's seeing they're not faithful to God. They're not obeying God. They're not worshiping God. In fact, they're worshiping false idols. And sometimes they're even putting that up in the temple of God. And they're up in the, in the palace and in the kingdom and the throne room. And they have wicked kings. And the, Habakkuk is looking at this and he's crying out to God. He's saying, God, would you do something about this? Wicked people. Would you do something to turn our hearts back to you that we would not draw away from you, but actually move toward you? And God goes, yeah, yeah, I am going to do something about this. You know, the people Babylon, they're going to come in and they're going to take over. They're going to destroy your nation. And Habakkuk's like, wait, hold up. That's not what I meant, God. That's too, that's too far. That's, that's too harsh. Can you do it another way, maybe? And God goes, no, this is what's happening. But don't worry. One day I will also deal with Babylon and I will restore my people. This is what's going to be used to turn your hearts back to me. And he says, listen, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard, but the righteous will live by faith. And now the author of Hebrews is saying the same thing to a group of Jewish believers in Jesus who are tempted to go back to the old ways of following the law in order to earn for themselves a way to God. And he's saying, don't go back to that. I know it's hard. And I know that there's persecution coming at you because you love Jesus. But the righteous will live by faith. Now that's just as valuable for us today. Whether you were the people facing Babylon or you were the people facing persecution from Rome. Listen, whether you're facing the persecution of a culture around you. And and by the way, we don't have it that bad when it comes to persecution. We just don't. But I acknowledge it does exist. We, We do have things that are difficult. And when you're facing a culture that doesn't value the things you value when you follow Jesus, don't shrink back. Or when you're facing potential political upheaval, don't shrink back. When you are facing injustice and violence, don't shrink back. It's the same things they were going through and the same message. The righteous will live by faith. And I could say that sentence over and over again, but you're still like, what does that mean? That's going to be a question. Some of you kids are going to come up to get your food. You're like, what does righteous mean, right? What does faith mean? That's a word we use a lot in church. What does it mean? Earlier in the week, I was having a conversation with my kids and they asked this great question. They're like, what does it mean to say God is faithful? Why does God need to have faith? Right? Because, I mean, they they rightly were connecting those two words together. So we talked through that a little bit and we said, what that is saying is not that God needs to have faith. That's, That's not what we mean by when we say God is faithful. When we say that word faithful, 
when someone is faithful, what we mean is they are trustworthy. They keep their promises. They follow through on what they said they would do and what they should do. You can count on them, right? God is a faithful God. And because of his faithfulness toward his people, even when they turned away from him and shrunk back from him, he pursued them in love. Because God and his faithfulness has done that, he has now made his people righteous. What that word righteous means is you are right with God. You're right with God, not because of what you've done, but because of God's faithfulness. Now, what we are called to do is to have faith in a faithful God. What does that mean? It means we actually believe that this God will do what he said he's going to do. It means we actually trust that this God will be who he's supposed to be. It means that we live in the reality that what God has done for us is all we need to experience life to the full. So the ones who have been made righteous by the faithfulness of God will live in that faith. And as we do, we begin to look more and more like that faithful God. We become faithful too. We become a people who do what we say we're going to do. We become a people who others can count on. We become a people who live the way we ought to live in a broken, messed up world. The more that we trust in the faithfulness of our God. Does that make sense? What this really boils down to, what Habakkuk was hearing from God, what the author of Hebrews is sharing to God's people, what I'm trying to get across to us right now, is there are two different ways to live. What this really boils down to is if God has done this for you, you now have two choices. One is better than the other. I don't mean better the way tacos are better than burgers. I mean better as in this is the only way to experience true life in its full. And this, again, is something that God has been trying to tell his people over and over and over throughout history. And so even though uh, the author of Hebrews was quoting from Habakkuk, I'm going to quote from one of the Psalms. And so let's go to Psalm 1, the very first Psalm out of the 150. That was close. Did you see that? (laughs) Let's hear what the psalmist said. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Do you see it? A contrast being put up of two different ways to live, right? Listen, he's going to contrast now what it looks like to be one or the other. So the first one, the one who delights in the Lord, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. That's one way to live. The wicked are not like this. This is the second way. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. 
One way is drinking water. Another way is eating Tide Pods. One way is eating bread. Another way is munching on some glass. One way is being firmly planted in good soil and nourished by living water and producing and bearing fruit, even in a harsh environment. And the other way is wilting and dying and being blown off of the root away in the wind with no life and no nourishment. Which one is better? You don't have to do all the right things to be made right with God. But now that God has done all the right things to make you right with him, to call you righteous, will you live like that's true? Will you live in that reality? Will you believe in the God who was faithful to you? That means have faith in him so that you will begin to look more like the faithful God yourself. This is the call and the invitation. Now listen, the next time we get together, we're gonna go through Hebrews 11, which many of us might know, sounds very uh, familiar to us. It's the hall of faith it's been often called, right? It's gonna list off a ton of people throughout the Old Testament who the author of Hebrews calls faithful. And it's a bunch of people who messed up time and time and time again. It's a bunch of people who had sin even after God credited it to them as righteousness. It's a bunch of people who made really poor choices. You and I are going to do this too. We're gonna to make bad choices. We're gonna sin. We're gonna mess up. That does not mean, those moments do not mean that you are not living by faith and you are no longer righteous. Your righteousness comes from the faithfulness of God and what he has done through his son, Jesus. But someone like Abraham, who though he messed up time and time again, was willing to leave his home and everything he knew because he believed what God said God would do would actually happen. He had moments of doubt. He had moments of faltering. He had moments of just being a knucklehead. He had moments of selfishness. But overall, he believed God would not fail at what God said he would do. That's living by faith. Would we believe in the midst of our own mess and in the midst of the mess around us in this culture, would we believe that God will be faithful to what he promised and that you can be righteous because of Jesus's work and not your own? Hold on to that. Hold firm to it. Don't give up on that. Don't draw back from it when things get hard. Don't draw back from it when you mess up, but continue to run toward that truth, even in your own failings, that God's faithfulness makes you righteous. Hold on to that by faith and you will become more and more like him day by day. That's not my promise, that's his. Let's live like it's true, amen?